Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. And that's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctors. Planned Parenthood needs your support now. Now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAIP-owned brands right now like Cardin, Kaja, Emilia George, and hey, Meve, plus you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. Don't you date me? A podcast where me, Nicole Byer, tries to figure out how I'm still single. Even though you could lock me out of the house all night, I'll sleep under a tree. And the next morning, I'll pretend that nothing happened. My <laughs> my guest today, oh boy, you know them, you love them. They were on RuPaul's Drag Race and RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars and tours the country all over the world, selling out venues, bringing joy to people. It's Benda LaCraft. Hi, hi, hi. Ah! I'm so excited to be here. Hello. <laughs> I'm Good so morning, excited hunty. to have you. Good morning. <laughs> it is noon. This is my morning. <laughs> yeah. Morning gets later every day. And also, what's time? I don't know. But I love this, um, this sequined backdrop you have. Thank you. Thank you. I have to keep up the visual interest even when podcasting. This is actually the set because we've been doing all these digital drag shows since we've been locked in our homes. So you have to like try to make your office look like a theater. (laughs) I love it. How, I mean, uh, this is the question I've been asking everybody because this is the world we live in. How is quarantine going for you? How is Ms. Rowena treating you? Oh, um, well, it's like a real um, constant fluctuation between like, I'm fine. This is fine. Mm -hmm. I actually Mm -hmm. like love this. It's like a little forced like vacation and then like, three days in a row of not being able to like unstick my face from my pillow and being Mm -hmm. like, why is life continuing right now? And then it's like (laughs) back to everything's great again, which I feel like is, it seems like that's a lot of people's baseline right now. 
which makes me feel better. It's nice that like, you know, we're in it together. Fluctuate between, you know what? Why is life a thing? I'm not going to wake up. And then being like, honestly, when life restarts, I don't know if I'm going to join it. <laughs> oh my God, me too. I was just talking about that yesterday. I'm like, A, will I know how? And uh-huh. B, will I have any desire to? Yes. And then I feel like, I mean, a lot of comics don't go through what I go through. Like a lot of people like to touch me and tell me stories and, and like close talk to me. And yeah. I feel like I have a similar experience to a drag queen because I feel like that's what people like to do to you guys. You're a drag queen in many regards, and that is definitely <laughs> one of them. It is a lot of, um, yeah. I and and also, I'm not. I think it kind of depends on which queen you are and kind of how you, um, like what your brand was on the show, kind mm-hmm. of. But it's like I am definitely among the queens that people want to share like their greatest trauma with mm-hmm. in like our 30 second interaction. <laughs> it's like, hi, my name is blah. And this was the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my childhood. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Well, it's so nice to meet you. I love your top. <laughs> yeah. I never really know what to say. And now since I'm not touring, I've been getting a lot of DMS from people sharing horrific stories with me and yeah. I don't know how to respond. So I just haven't been. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I feel pretty comfortable with it in person. It's like, you know, I mean, I feel like, okay, I can like, I do this enough that I can kind of like hold this within the moment, but it's Mm -hmm. like, then you have to like, they walk away and you have to let it go because if you're, if that's like buzzing around in your brain, the like traumas of like however Mm -hmm. many thousands of people you're talking to, it's like, (laughs) yeah, you can't carry that. Yeah. It's overwhelming. I have to repress my own shit, you know? Same. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) I had an interview the other day where they were like, you're perpetually happy. Is that the real Nicole? And I was like, yes, to an extent. But then, you know, there's sad, Nicole, and I don't bring that out on stage because I'm doing comedy. Yeah, no, same. Absolutely. I mean, and I, because I have this really contained character, people are like, how are you happy all the time? I'm like, I'm not. She is. I'm a miserable pessimist. Like, she's... <laughs> that made up character that I perform as, they're a very happy person. But me, I have levels and layers. Exactly. You just moved to LA, right? From Seattle? Yeah, just in time to not see it or do anything <laughs> in it. Yeah, we moved we moved March 1st, and then I was on the road. Um, I was doing I was supposed to be doing a show on the 14th in San Francisco it was my last mm-hmm. show before I came home and we like got settled. That show got canceled. I flew back home and I have not left this house since. Mm-hmm. And we have like no furniture. It's oh, like no. Oh, it's crazy. Oh boy, that I was just thinking about getting a new couch and then I was like Oh, there would be people in here that I don't know. And that's not that's not it right now. We finally got a sofa, but it took like a month and a half. It was such a to do because everything was shutting down. But like, thank Mm -hmm. God we now have a place to sit and a TV to stare at because when the (laughs) Internet goes down. Oh, my God. That's the next apocalyptic step. Right. Is The Internet is going to go down globally and we're all going to have to just like, what are we going to do? Stare into the fire in our like, I don't even know. Can you not? That's terrible. I would be so sad if the Internet went out. I know. I mean, I try to like not have my phone at dinner and my roommate, John Milheiser, John Milheiser, my roommate was like, what are you doing? Are you staring at the wall while you eat? And I was like, oh, um, yes, yes, I am. (laughs) 
Yeah. It's like the screen time is real. And I keep being like, can we just play like skip bow or something? Like, I don't even like, what do people even do when they're not looking at screens anymore? I'm trying to remember. I honestly don't. I guess they read. What is that? I think it's oh, right, where right. there's like, like leafs, leafs that have been made into uh, white pages and then they put words on it. It's like Instagram, but you can't scroll. You have to flip. Oh, okay, cool. Well, that's a new uh, digital <laughs> digital action that I'm excited to figure out with my, my little digits. So you said we moved to L.A. Does that mean you're in a relationship? It means I'm in a relationship. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um yeah, we uh I've I've been with um my my fella for uh, it'll be 5 years in July. Oh, that's But we so just nice. moved in together. We didn't live oh. together in Seattle. Oh. I know. That's is has it been an adjustment living together or is well, it same old same old? Well, I mean, get this. It's like we moved in together for the first time and then we're immediately on lockdown. Like we have not, we've never lived together and now we cannot be in a different room. Like we don't, (laughs) it's like, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I keep thinking about it. Like, you know, all those apocalypse movies Mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, like if it like sometimes they're like oh, everything's just exploding or whatever, but that's if it's a male protagonist and like who cares about that? If it's a female protagonist, <laughs> then they're just like it's just whatever their personal drama is set against like zombies <laughs> in the background. And it's just to make them like come to terms with like, you know, the death of their child or whatever thing I mean, they're working through. <laughs> you are absolutely right. I'm I can't stop thinking about Bird Box, and that is like the plot to Bird Box. Yeah. Sandra Bullock dealing with her personal demons and then a tragic loss and then like doing something with these two little people who are now in her life. Yeah. That's, that's it. (laughs) So I'm like, I know this is a global pandemic and it's like a true tragedy. And also this in, in like my like fully narcissistic cinematic mind, this is just like Mm -hmm. the backdrop to really like make, like make or break us living together. You know, (laughs) that's why this happened. I mean, I keep telling my therapist, I'm like, I know that this is not a good situation for everybody, but like me personally, um, this is a bad time for a pandemic. And she (laughs) truly takes it in stride. There's always a little pause before she says something because it's so wild that these words are falling out of my my mouth. But that's how I feel. I'm sure you're in good company because I do the same thing with my therapist and I'm like, who is it? Like who is going into therapy and being like, let me talk about the sorrows of the world. Let me just put aside my personal, like why are you in therapy? Not it's to talk about yourself. Yeah. Go out and do some volunteer work. Seems like you're pretty well adjusted. <laughs> um, so five years, that's such a long time. Um, who asked who out? Um, I started talking to him on Scruff because Ooh. like, yeah, but it's all, but it's all, what, well, what, we can get into like what the what's and why's, but, um, but yeah, I started talking to him and I was on the road all the time. He mm-hmm. also lived in Seattle and I was just in Seattle kind of, you know, for a few like days. Your every, home base. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but I wasn't around that much. So we talked for like months before we actually were able to meet in person and we just got along really well. And like the chat, we like made each other laugh. And, um, and then we finally, it was like months later when we actually went on our first date 
And uh, I, I mean, so I approached him initially, mm-hmm. but he was the one who asked me if I wanted to be boyfriends. Oh my God, they're so <laughs> cute. <laughs> Did you, wait, so you were on, you had been on Drag Race five years ago, right? Yes. So I'd done season six. This was like, this was before I did All Stars, mm-hmm. but after season six. And one of the most, I have to say, one of the most appealing things about Gus was that he had never watched Drag Race and didn't know who the fuck I was. Oh boy, that's nice. It was a major selling point because I'd mm-hmm. gone on so many dates like under false pretenses. That and was going to realized... be my next question: Was dating harder after Drag Race? Yeah, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, it was just it was it was like. It was like, well, I didn't want to spend the money on a meet and greet ticket at your last show. So I guess I'll ask you out on an app. Oh, no. God. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then I can just like, uh, yeah, ask you what Bianca Del Rio is really like. (laughs) I can't imagine ever asking somebody that on like a first date. (laughs) Oh, I used to get messages on like Grindr or whatever that literally would say, are you in town with a door? She's really hot. (laughs) Like you're some sort of sex broker for other drag queens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Wild. Mm -hmm. That's terrible. Yeah. People, people don't know how to behave. My roommate recently got a message from a woman or no, a man who was like, I work in politics and I got your number, uh, this, uh, from something in politics, but it was like addressed to me. And I was like, one, John, I don't give out your number on political ballots. Also, I don't think you put your number on political ballots. I was like, this person found your number on the Internet. And he was like, that's not nice. And I was like, yeah, welcome to my world. It's very invasive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you get a lot of people like what I got a lot was people pretending they didn't know who I was and being like, oh, what do you do for a living? Like fully questions that are like setting up a non-truth, right? Oh, but do you I, get that? Do you get people pretending that? No, not really. Uh, oh no, there was one guy who fully lied to me. He, I talked about him on the podcast because he was so poorly behaved, but he, um, so we were like, I was 45 minutes late to the date because I was napping and I got there. He was like a little drunk and I did apologize profusely and he was like, what do you do? I said, oh, I um, I work in entertainment. And he was like, oh, doing what? And I was like, oh, I do comedy. He said, oh, I have no idea who you are. And I said, okay. And then he goes, actually, I did see you on Conan. And I said, okay. And time went on. And then he said something. And I was like, you're being very poorly behaved. And he goes, don't talk about me on your podcast. And I was like, so you do know more um, about me. Like as time went God. on, little chunks would come out. And I brought him home, even though he was a literal red flag. He was a red flag in human form. And then he like started insulting me. Like he was like, I said something and I was like, oh, I think you should go home. He goes, you're just like everybody else in L.A., you bitch. And I was like, you can't call me a bitch in my house. And then I was like, John's sleeping, but I do have a baseball bat if he gets, you know, a little wild. And then I was like, nobody comes home with me anymore. Uh I go to their home. Do you play baseball or is that like just for um, like for self-defense? Oh, it's for I think it's just for self-defense. John is very, very gay and doesn't really do sports. (laughs) His boyfriend's also gay and not sportsman like. And I certainly don't. I don't know where it came from. Yeah, that seems like a weird object to just have in the house. (laughs) 
Maybe you should put a nail through it. Oh, I should. Like if nobody's using it for baseball, why not? You know. Yeah, just put some nails and be like, "This is my apocalypse bat. I'll fuck yeah, yeah, you yeah. up." <laughs> yeah. But lately, I've been going out with like the last dude I went out with before the pandemic. He was like, uh, "I asked him what he did. He told me he was like, what do you do?'" And I was like, "Oh, I I I do comedy and I'm an actress." And he goes, oh, okay. Uh, I think I've heard you on a podcast. And I said, okay. And he's like, it's my favorite comedian's podcast, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, but what else do you do? And then I told him and he was like, oh, I've never seen that. And it, like it was genuine and earnest. And it was funny because as time went on, I kept being like, oh, the show that I host. And he's like, you don't have to say that anymore. I heard that you host it. I know now <laughs> that you host it. I'm retaining information about you. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm just so used to people not retaining information and just like talking about themselves. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, and then that weird sort of uh, in between zone where people are like, you can't, I don't know, like you can't tell what they're retaining or not retaining. And sometimes I mean, back to this other thing of people kind of like faking their Mm -hmm. level of knowledge. It's like, it's so hard to tell, like when you don't know that's what they're doing, they're still acting like they understand less than like a normal human would understand. So then you're like, Oh, I'm on a date with a really dumb person. (laughs) So I guess I'll talk slower (laughs) as well as repeat myself a lot. Uh Yeah. I went on a date with a dude. This was, maybe a year and a half ago he was like kind of cute but in a way where I was like I have to squint at you and he just (laughs) didn't believe that I was a comedian he was like but what's your day job and I said I don't have a day job right now I'm in between day jobs and he was like well what what is your day job normally and I was like um acting on tv (laughs) and it feels if I felt like I was the insane one I was like, oh, yeah, I have a wild job. But like, why don't you believe me that I have this wild job? Yeah. You know, I had um, speaking of therapists, I had my like two therapists ago. It was like right after season six and I was coming off it and I was like, oh, my God, everything is insane. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and I so I went to this therapist and she like it was so clear that she didn't believe me. Like how big of a deal, like it, like it didn't seem like she believed I was on the road or that people were recognized. Like that was so mm-hmm. much of the stress was that people were recognizing me everywhere for the first yes. time. And I wasn't used to that. And it was like, she didn't think it was true. She thought I was like blowing it up in my own head. And that was so clear. And it was like, I feel crazy. This is supposed to make me more sane. That's so funny that a therapist was gaslighting you. Right. <laughs> Well, but like also who would be better at it? Yeah. Like she would know her way around. All of the tools to gaslight you into being like, you were never on television. Nobody's (laughs) recognizing you. These road gigs, you're just taking planes to different locations and getting right back on. Not Uh, even you're just like eyes are glazing over and you're rocking back and forth alone in your bedroom. Yeah. Um, Drag race must have been intense, though, because they show you out of drag and in drag. So there's no hiding. Oh, yeah. And that was a lot of why, you know, it was I had not uh, auditioned for Drag Race before season six. I got on my first time, but um, I (laughs) but a big part of it was losing that anonymity because Mm -hmm. I in Seattle before that, I mean, I had been working, you know, like my my day job was drag, like I was producing shows and stuff in town locally. And so it was 
you know, I could like somebody who was in the front row at all my shows could also be my barista and I could mm-hmm. walk in there and not worry about like looking like a pile of garbage because like mm-hmm. they didn't know. And I could go on dates where I would like reveal to somebody later that I was a drag yes. queen, you know? So that was, uh, letting go of that was part of the biggest thing I was afraid of. And I don't know, it has its pros and cons. Oh, I think being in the public eye has tons of pros and cons and nobody ever thinks about the cons. Yeah. I mean, it has lots of pros, but if you talk about a con, people are like, people are like, what are you complaining? Uh huh. (laughs) Yep. And I talk about that a lot with my therapist. I'm like, I do have a lot of champagne problems, but you know, like I understand that like, I'm very lucky to do what I do. And then she's always like, but they're your problems. It's okay that like, you shouldn't call them champagne problems. They're actually problems in your life. They're just different than other people's. And I'm always just like, man, Mary, you always know what to say to make me feel good. Yeah. A real champagne problem is alcohol abuse. And you'll yes. know when that's an issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have champagne problems and it's like guzzle champagne <laughs> all night long. I did drink a lot of champagne last night. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, it's delightful. brunch all day now. So I mean, what is anything? No. I ate. What did I? I had an ice cream cone for lunch yesterday. It was a real oh. treat. Yeah, that's perfect. I've been learning a lot about um, mixology since I've been home. I've been really getting into tiki cocktails. That's like my, right, like pretend you're on a beach vacation when you can't go anywhere. Because also we have a yard now that we're in LA. I've never had a yard before. Do you like lay out there on a towel and drink a little tiki cocktail? Oh my God. We, first of all, like I was saying that it's really hard to buy furniture. The one thing that mm-hmm. for whatever reason has been easy to get a hold of is outdoor furniture. So I am basically <laughs> like, tur- I mean, my, the yard is, if I keep on this track, it will just be a, a pile of chairs that you have to like <laughs> climb to the top of. But um, anyway, there's a lot of lovely spaces right now to lounge outside. So I've got like, you know, one of those big swinging egg chairs and just like Ooh. sit in there, sit in there and have a, you know, have a painkiller or a Mai Tai or whatever. And, I like, love it. I'm scared of those swinging chairs because I don't know if they have weight limits. And I'd be so embarrassed to break a chair in my own house. Well, come on over when this is done. I mean, come on over. Or I can set it 10 feet away from our front fence and you can just come and give it a try in the, you know, on the sidewalk. or You know what? I may take you up on that. I've been doing a lot more social distancing fun hangs. And that's been nice. In my driveway, we set up a speaker. And then I've got these old chairs in my backyard that I keep being like, I'm going to throw them out, but they've come in handy. So we bring them down to the driveway and then a friend comes over. We open the gate to the driveway. They come in, we close the gate back. (laughs) It's a real covert operation. And then we sit and drink for like an hour or so before you're like, okay, I think we all have a curfew and it's 10 PM. Well, I have to go sit in front of my TV. Yeah. It really does feel like an obligation to get your TV time in now. Like that feels like. (laughs) Yes. I need to look at my phone for eight hours. I clock uh, in, I clock out. And then when I get home, I have to do my extra credit. I got to watch TV for two, three, four, six hours. Yeah. If I have not watched a television show at least two seasons past where it got bad, then I'm like not doing my job. (laughs) I've been watching a lot of weird network television. Uh, it started off as like a bit between uh, the boys in my house. But then we were like, oh, we think we really like we've been watching this show called Tommy, which is nobody's heard of it. Uh, it is Edie Falco. She plays a lesbian head chief of police and she just like storms around and she's just like, I'm going to solve a crime. And 
I love it. It's not great. And then we started watching <laughs> Council of Dads, which is about a family whose dad, something happens to him, and then all of his friends come and be the dads. I don't really know what's happening. Wow, but you've like, got some deep cuts. <laughs> they're so deep, no one's seen them one, not one time. <laughs> um, Here's a question. So before you got into a relationship, before Drag Race, was when you would like reveal that you were a drag queen by trade and profession, did that turn people off or... Oh my God. So I rate like, I mean, this is part of the phenomenon of drag race is the difference between queens who were doing drag before. I mean, when I started doing drag, it was basically a guarantee that you would never have money. You would never be (laughs) successful and no one would ever want to fuck you. Right. Uh And you had to want to do drag so badly that you like, you know, whatever you ignored Mm -hmm. those things. And so now it's specifically people like any twink with access to a forever 21 Mm. can become a drag queen specifically (laughs) because they see it as a path to fame, fortune and Uh dick. Ah. It's like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was really hard to find people um, who, like, you would, like, that was the thing. You kind of had to kind of, like, do a slow reveal of that and be like, you know, and, but I'm not a regular drag queen. I'm a cool drag queen, you know, and it was, because <laughs> a lot of people didn't want to date drag queens, except for, um, I will say that in college, um, I, I was, I was a very pretty, much more, like, you know, quote unquote, passable drag queen when Mm -hmm. I was young because I hadn't gotten, basically I just wasn't good enough at being camp yet. So I had like my own eyebrows and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll tell you that real straight boys in real good. Oh boy. And that was my thing in college. Like I'm over it now. Like I want, like the queerer, the better for Mm -hmm. me now. But in college I was like, you people were so awful to me in high school. I am going to seek revenge upon your genitals. I love it. I it's been it's interesting because I wear mm, dry, it's like baby drag makeup. You I contour. Drag. No, you're in drag. Yes. <laughs> I wear a wig. I contour my face into a new one. I wear giant lashes. Sometimes I'm on stage and I'm like, "There's a shadow." I and then I'm like, "Oh, it's my lashes." But <laughs> I feel like so like I'll go on dates with men like that. And they'll be like, you look really pretty. And I say, oh, thank you. And then when they see me again and I'm wearing less makeup, they seem to love that even more. And then I'm like, wait, do men not like full makeup? It's very confusing to me. Sorry, my um, phone just started vibrating. I apologize. Oh, no, it's fine. You're very important. Let me turn it off. It's Peaches Christ. What the fuck is she doing? Oh, Um, Peaches is funny. I got to meet her at... um, Clusterfest. I did uh, a, a stage reading of Romeo Michelle's High School Reunion with uh, Trixie and Katya. Oh, and yeah. And Peaches produced it. And or Peaches was also in it. It was so much fun. Oh, my God. She's a blast. And she's like one of those people who, I mean, when I'm when I'm on stage, it's so like camp and big mm-hmm. and whatever. And Peaches dresses like a full on circus clown mm-hmm. and then has the most like dry <laughs> deadpan delivery. <laughs> And it's amazing. I love it. I love different. I just like a drag show. I like drag so much. It makes me happy. And then, you know, the thing that really makes me angry when people don't tip every single girl who performs, it makes me so livid because I'm like, it's subjective that you don't like X, Y and Z. But like, this is their job. Just tip them. 
Well, and, you know, and one thing that I have seen quite a bit is people saving their ones or whatever for the for the queens who were on Drag Race. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's who needs your money the, the least. least. They got a booking fee and maybe the girls who weren't on Drag Race didn't get like a booking fee. So they're working like, literally, literally on tips. And some of these girls are like new and getting and taking it. So for they'll be like, Ugh, all this money doesn't fit my suitcase. I'll just, leave. you know, I mean, it's like, I mean, I'm making that up, but it's <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, they, they do not need it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's crazy. And it's also like, you know, I think about so often that it's like, I will have worked in a club with a girl one year who is, who like nobody's tipping, nobody gives a shit. Everybody talks through her performance mm-hmm. and doesn't look at her. And then she's on Drag Race next season, and people are like, <gasps> "She's my favorite." I'm like, "She was right in front of you." Yes, it's yeah. yeah. Support local queens. It's the same thing with like comedy and acting. Like people send me things for free now that I can afford to have these things. Yeah, it's very. Yeah. It's so strange. I was like, I could have used like sometimes companies will send me like a suit or something, and I'm like. I could have used a suit about eight years ago when I had zero dollars and had an audition to be a lawyer and I was wearing a ripped t-shirt and (laughs) jeans with holes in them because that was the nicest thing I owned. Yeah. It's so fucking wild. It's really crazy. And like the weird, I mean, I'm, I bet you get this as well, but it's like every once in a while, like I'll go to a restaurant and they like will comp the meal or something. And I'm like, I extra don't need that. Like, (laughs) Do that for that person, you know? Yes. Yeah. I mm. actually, like, uh, I can't remember where we were. It was me and a friend, and my meal got comped, and I was like, well, instead of comping my meal, can you comp, because I found two, like, young-looking girls, I was like, can you comp their meal? And they were like, okay. So then they did that, charged us, and then I left, like, a very big tip to be like, here, here's, <laughs> I don't know, treats for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it's like you actually spent more than you. Yeah. So much more. I <laughs> was in Italy. This was the wildest thing. Like, I didn't realize how global nailed it was until I was in Italy and we were at a restaurant and this woman, we were pretending it was my birthday because why not? <laughs> sure. But it was not my birthday. And we were, everyone saying happy birthday to me because we're obnoxious. And this woman sent me a bottle of wine and was like, the server was like, she said she loves you. I nailed it. And I was like, what? And then I went to the Gucci store and one of the employees recognized me. But they wow. did not give me any free Gucci. Um, That hurt my feelings. Yeah, no, that's understandable. I um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great. That's it's so wild to me, like learning about the different parts of the world where people watch Drag Race mm-hmm. or watch. Yeah, I don't know. So wait, so from Nailed It, do people like wind up like because Drag Race, everybody wants to talk to me. I mean, like, do people come up to you not knowing about your comedy and just knowing about Nailed It and want to talk to you about their fucked up Cookie Monster baked goods or whatever? And they love to scream Nailed It at me or Hues. Um, (laughs) And they it was like it gets really bad sometimes during shows. People at like (laughs) if I pause long enough Sometimes they'll be like, nailed it. And and I tell them at the top of the show, I'm like, it's the bane of my existence. I, it's almost, it's triggering. I now understand the word triggered. And I'm like, but you can say it. Now is the time. Say it as much as you need to. I let them say it like two, three, four times. And then if someone says it during my show, I go, okay, you have to leave. (laughs) 
I write jokes into all my shows, like just to make it clear that I hate catchphrases. I hate tongue popping. Mm-hmm. I hate like not in general, <laughs> but like in the audience. I'm like, uh-huh. and one of my biggest triggers, and this is so this is hard to deal with because everyone does it now, is just screaming, yes. <laughs> I'm like, there is nothing more meaningless for an audience member mm-hmm. to respond than than that. Because it doesn't matter yes. what you're doing. It's not a sign of success or, no. or you know. <laughs> yeah, people, I've done a couple shows with um, some unruly gay men who would like scream yas at punchlines. And I'd be like, okay. We what is this now? What is happening? Please stop doing that. I was in Denver and there was a group of girls who kept going woo after every every pause. It was a woo, and then Street I finally was like, that. "What is what is going on? Please stop." It's like people don't realize that like you're a human, real person in front of them, and you can hear. And, and see what they're doing. Oh, yeah. Well, do you think it's just because people stare at TVs all, all the time and so they forget what live performance is actually like? I think so. And then a lot of times I'll like see tweets where people are like, that was my first stand-up show. And I'm like, your first? You? How is that your very... Like, my first stand-up show was, I think, when I was 18 years old. Like, I was young when I... And yeah. then I had been going to Broadway shows before that. And then before that, high school performances of like musicals. And I was like, I understand theater etiquette. How does nobody else? It's so wild. It's really crazy because it's also, I mean, it's also fairly intuitive. It's just, mm-hmm. right. I mean, it's the same rules of being on stage. It's just like be present and pay attention to what's happening yes. around you, you know? Because um, like, even if you have no clue what's happening, you can just arrive and sort of get some context clues pretty quickly. <laughs> Yeah, just look around. Is everyone else screaming like you? No. (laughs) We have to take a break. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service that's all about helping you have fun and get creative with your style. Shift gears in your wardrobe without a complete and expensive overhaul. Dressy stuff, trendy going out clothes, casual tops and premium jeans, sweaters, outerwear, vacation fits, you name it. For just $98 a month, you get a choice of any six styles each month. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands with inclusive sizing, fast, free shipping and returns, and professional cleaning in newly state-of-the-art laundering facility, plus the option to buy what you love. I like Newly a lot because sometimes I don't want to like own a sparkly thing because I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to wear it more than once. Also, I have a ton of sparkly things. And Newly is very good at like having a sparkly thing that I'll wear once and then I can send it right back. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code DATEME20. Just go to newly.com, N U U L Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code DATEME20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y dot com. Newly with two U's with code DATEME20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Spring is the best time to start a new workout routine. 
It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, tap into your power, and build towards whatever you're looking for. Okay, Peloton can accommodate your schedule with a variety of class lengths to choose from. Even if you only have five minutes, there's a class to get your body moving. And I have to stress how important that is. Five minutes is better than no minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and mood. Move at your own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take the guesswork out of working out. So you can just jump right in, keeping your fitness journey fresh every day because that's what it is, a journey. And listen, Peloton has everything you need to get to where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, uh, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton is something for you. Ooh, the Peloton classes I like to do are strength training. I also like the yoga because um, I'm always trying to get more flexible um, because I love doing splits because I'm slutty. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at (laughs) OnePeloton.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, there's always something that I really need to talk about. And thank God I have a podcast. But then there's stuff that I don't want to reveal publicly. So I talk to a therapist. And listen, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get stuff off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional cost. And I got to say, that's very important because the first person you meet might not be good for you. So even though it's work, you got to work to find someone who like is helpful and is good for you. So don't stick with someone just because you feel like you have to. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash date me today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash date me. Okay. Hey, did you know one in five Americans have learn a new language on their bucket list? If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste time on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned out in the real world. Babbel made it super easy for me to brush up on my Spanish before my vacation to Mexico. See how I said that? It's it's better and it sounds like I speak Spanish. It just makes traveling better so you can like order food, ask for directions and flirt with the locals. Me encanta muchacho. without having to consult language apps while on vacation. Here's a special limited time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash date me. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash date me. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash date me. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back! Yay, that's my favorite song. Your break song is my favorite song. Well, your opening song. That's also oh, your break thank song. Thank you. Uh, my producer, Mars, 
We recorded it twice. The first time she was like, I think you should do that again. I said, okay. And then we did it a second time. She's like, are you sure you don't want to do that one more time? And I said, no, it's perfect. Thank you. (laughs) It is perfect. It's a perfect track. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I want to figure out how to sell it as a ringtone because I think it's funny. Oh, my God. Yes, I would do. I mean, I haven't heard anybody's phone ring in like, you know, several years. But um, Um, well, you got to come to my house. I leave my phone on ring all the time. And my ringtone for the last decade has been believe by share, but not the chorus. And my text tone is live in la vida loca it's like the full song (laughs) oh wow (laughs) and sometimes i just dance well if you if you release this theme song as a ringtone i will absolutely start leaving my ringer on ah ben thank you so much yeah oh okay i have a relationship question stunning do you remember your first relationship well, it like sort of depends how you like, what do you like define relationship? Like calling somebody your boyfriend or whatever? Calling someone your boyfriend, you kiss and you go on dates. Yeah. Okay. So then the first time that ever happened was actually in high school, which is weird. I had two very distinctly different high school experiences Mm -hmm. because I went to a very small town public school where everyone was horrible and mean to me and like beat me up and was awful. And then my last two years of high school, I went to a boarding school for the arts where everyone was a gay weirdo and suddenly everything that everybody hated about me, everyone super loved about me Mm -hmm. and I became a popular kid and it fucked with my brain for so many years. I was like a full on asshole for several years because (laughs) I whatever. Anyway. Um, But yeah, so that's where I had my first boyfriend. Um, His name was Chandler. I love it. I love it. Chandler. Yeah. And um, and I mean, that was a full on mess the way that a first relationship in high school should be. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it was I mean, the one thing was we were living in a dorm together as like 17 year old horny boys. And that is Uh I mean, that's what one would expect. Did you share a room with Chandler? No, we, oh, okay. he lived, well, he lived just downstairs from me mm, and okay. I was one of the only, there was like the, like having a room to yourself was super coveted mm-hmm. and I had this super tiny room that was just mine. And so uh, honestly, maybe that's the reason he dated me now that I'm looking back at it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that might've been it because we had almost nothing in common. I mean, it was just, it was arbitrary, right? Like your first few dates are like, I like your hair and I can Mm -hmm. tolerate being in the same room as you or whatever. I feel like that's my dating experience now. I'm like, you're not terrible. Yeah. I mean, that was most of my dating experiences, honestly. That's been, you know, I I mean, I've stayed with people for three years that like that was, you know, I was like, but you're so pretty or whatever. Mm -hmm. When you and your current boyfriend, Gus, Gus, right? Gus, yes. When you like decided to be official, you said he asked you to be his boyfriend. Uh, do you remember the f- who said I love you first? It was probably me. I don't remember that, but I'm sure it was me because I'm the super like gushy one. And actually, like he's so affectionate now. But I will say that when we first said I love you, he re- he responded in in kind. But then it was like a thing where it was like, 
I to me it was like all walls were down mm-hmm. the the beast was unleashed and I am just I mean I will say I love you like when we first wake up when you make me a cup of coffee when I finish my <laughs> cup of coffee when we start bre- I mean like I'm like that's just my thing mm-hmm. and we went to see John Waters on Valentine's Day and John Waters like which he took me to which is like okay yes another like stamp in the book um but he took me to see John Waters and John Waters did this huge part of the monologue about Valentine's Day where he talks about how people say I love you too much and it becomes mm-hmm. meaningless and Gus just kind of slowly turns to me and is like <laughs> staring at me during that whole section <laughs> Anyway, he got over it and now, he, now he's super gushy. But that's so he's funny. also he's also actually Nicole, my fiance. <gasps> I know. We thank you. We just moved in together, but he proposed to me a year ago. I mean, it's like we're doing everything out of order. And also, I we're don't. Like, who cares? It's so sweet. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it was very romantic too. Who proposed to who? He proposed to me. He oh asked me God. to be his boyfriend and he proposed to me, but he also was reluctant to say I love you all the time. It's like, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it was very sweet. How did he propose? So we were, it was New Year's Eve oh. and we were at, you know, the Madonna Inn. Oh, of course. I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be when a man takes me there, I'll know that that's true love. Right. Yeah. That was I haven't been and I don't want to go unless it's with a significant other. Yeah, it was amazing. So we were going there for New Year's Eve. We had like a group of our closest friends, like his Mm -hmm. best friends and my best friends, who fortunately we like each other's best friends, you know. And so we were all there together. It was like we'd done the whole like like sitting down to prefix New Year. It was like it was like lobster tails and steak and champagne. I mean, it was so over the top in that big pink dining room where Mm -hmm. everything is pink and gilt. The seats, the the carpeting, everything. huge live band doing like jazz standards and like hundred year old couples cutting up the Uh, dance floor. I I mean, everything was perfect. And yeah. And he fully just dropped to a knee at the table. Everyone there knew it was happening. And apparently he somehow had kept the secret from me for like nine months. He'd been planning it with our friends and I was fully shocked. And I honestly, every single one of my friends is a full on blabbermouth. No one can keep a secret. <laughs> and I don't know how it happened. But um, but yeah, it was I was fully shocked by the whole situation. Oh, that's so sweet. And I love it. Was there pictures taken or was it just a moment? To remember. Oh, there were pictures taken and my friend Randy actually recorded it. So there's a video of it. But um, but I'll tell you that before it happened, there was like, I don't know, they had some whole plan about how it was going to go down. But then something logistically didn't work or whatever. So everyone was sitting around the table on their phones and they were all texting each other (laughs) trying to solve the problem. And I was so pissed. I was like, it is New Year's Eve. We made this huge trip together. Everyone is on their phones ignoring everyone else. This is supposed to be a time to buy. Like, little do I know they're actually all working to, like, plan this amazing moment for me. I literally, right before it happened, went outside and, like, fumed and caught my breath because I was so mad everyone was on their phones. And then I went back in. He basically drops to his knee, has the most romantic proposal ever imaginable. And then I was like, oh, I should probably just, like, chill out about stuff like that. I fully love that you were angry before your proposal. That's so funny. Yes. Everyone. Angry at everyone involved. Yeah. Do you have a date set? No, we don't. It's a thing where, okay, so like I said, like all of this is so out of order. Mm -hmm. It's like we had talked about 
marriage. Like we both knew it was in the cards for us. Um, We'd been talking about moving in together for years and years and years, but it never made sense because I was Mm -hmm. on the road all the time. And it was the thing where like, okay, well we could move into the same place and then I just won't be there. Like, you know, it just didn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was just, he, so we wound up proposing and then I was like, okay, I like, I love this. Yes, yes, yes. But we have to move in together before Mm -hmm. we get married. So, but then it was like another year before we could move in together. So now we're living together and it's, and it's also this thing where it's like, okay, well, you know, I mean, you know, it's like, how do you plan something big around a tour schedule that is, you know, always a year out. Mm -hmm. And so now it's like two years out because everything's postponed to next year. So Mm -hmm. anyway, we have to like, I actually am hoping that pandemic time is the time that we can like set the date. I'm thinking like January, February of 2022. Two is the most realistic time. <laughs> and I hate, right? Like a long engagement is so mm-hmm. annoying. Mostly because I hate I the word fiance. So. You hate the word fiance? It's so gross. Ugh. But I will never be that person who's like, this is my fiance. Yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Those are my saying, favorite people. I really love it. Makes me laugh so hard when someone's like, this is my fiance. And it's like, <laughs> You were gearing up for that. You thought some sort of reaction was going to happen. I'm just like, okay, cool. Well, and it's like, it's that thing where I love the word boyfriend. Like it's, Mm -hmm. that's a fun word, right? So he was my boyfriend for so long, but now I can't call him that. So I've started calling him my partner, which was Mm -hmm. one of those words that made me want to vomit for so long, right? It's like, Uh but when I was, when I was young, it was like, I was like, okay, so it's possible to grow up and fall in love with someone if you're a queer person, but you have to call them either your partner (laughs) or your leather. Like, Mm. those are the disgusting options. (laughs) You are right. Which is like, it does not get better. No. (laughs) PSA, it does not get better. It only gets (laughs) worse. Uh, One of my dear friends, who's she's a woman, she's married to a man, she calls him her partner, and I was always like, a uh, way to steal from the gays. But then I was like, well, he is, he isn't just a husband. He is her partner in life. And they do have like this beautiful partnership. And now I'm like, I accept it. This is okay. I don't know if I'll ever call someone my partner. I think I'll just be like, this is my husband. Or if I marry a lady, I'll be like, she my wife. Who knows? <laughs> who knows who I'll marry? I really want to transition into just calling him my old man. I honestly like that so much. Yeah. That's like a fun old timey. I think like, that's funny. Yeah. Because it's right. like, oh, my, my old, old lady at home. My old man at home. <laughs> um, I have a question about yes. the way. So you do one person shows. How do you write one? Per- I've never written a one person show, but I guess stand up kind of is. But like, how do you go about that? Um, tears, agony. Uh, no, it's a, I, I personally am like a really, my process is really weird. Like I, so I take like, you know, I'll I'll take a month or two off the road Mm -hmm. to, to write something. And, um, I, you know, my solo shows are really, uh, like I'm not, I I don't do stand up. They're really like narrative. Like Mm -hmm. they're like, like I write stories with a beginning, middle and end. And like I, and I am also, this is just, uh, 
you know, whatever for I've, I've always been this way where I can't seem to write something that's just comedy. I'm very much that 80% comedy and then make them cry for 20% Mm -hmm. of it, you know? And so I'm like really like maniacal about figuring this out. So when I write stuff, I don't really sit down and write. It's like lots and lots of notes and it looks like, Mm -hmm. um, like a crime investigation sort of CSI (laughs) moment with like post-its everywhere and little air, like literally arrows drawing, like from one post-it to the next. And Mm -hmm. yeah, so um, uh, it's because I also write like their stories, but I also come from cabaret world. So I'm always trying Mm -hmm. to be like, okay, how can I tell a story that involves a puppet, some (laughs) striptease, several jokes, a video, like, you know, so (laughs) I don't know. It's insane. But it it does like, it's, um, you know, the first one I wrote, the first solo show I ever did I was so scared and it was opening in New York city and I, uh, and it wound up being really successful and Mm -hmm. I was really proud of it, but like maybe two weeks before it started, before it opened, I was talking to my friend in Seattle and I was like, okay, so I know this sounds really over the top, but I need you to just like, I'm, I'm very serious right now. Here's what I think I need you to do. If you back your car over my leg, I will absolutely recover from that. But there's no way I can do the show. And it's the one injury I can think of where I could fully get out of this. But I would like there's no way I can do it. But I would definitely be okay late. I mean, I was Mm -hmm. crazed. That was a legitimate ask. It is so scary to like get on a stage alone and be like, here are things I thought would be entertaining for you. Uh, Please like it. Thank you. But now I love it. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. honestly like I don't really do the club gigs anymore. I don't do any of that. I just really like I'm so passionate about it. And it's like now I've like found my groove. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, you know, any kind of performance, it's like equal parts, like terrifying and joyful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to transition to theaters, right? Or I was. I was in the midst of transitioning from clubs to theaters. Yeah. Because... Clubs are a little, it's, I I love performing in a club. I love it. But like, it's doing five shows in three days and people are eating, people are drinking. There's waitstaff yelling. And sometimes, and there's some clubs that are like amazing where you don't hear the waitstaff and that's all, that's incredible. But then there's like other clubs where you're like, okay, you're literally in the front row yelling at this woman. She wants more French fries. And she's yelling back (laughs) that she wants a long Island iced tea. And I'm in the middle of a joke and I'm like, Long and IST in French. And I'm like, I have ADD. This is awful. Yeah, I just like theaters. I don't want to shit on clubs because I do love doing them. But a theater. Wow. I feel like uh, Satine from the Moulin Rouge where she's like a real actress in a real theater. (laughs) That's how I feel sometimes. Well, and you can just do different things. Like yes. you can, it's the difference between like having to have material that if somebody tunes in for two minutes, it works for them, mm-hmm. like any two minutes, versus like if you can have two minutes that only work if they were listening to the prior two minutes. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I have one 15 minute long Disney joke where sometimes it goes very poorly because people are too drunk and they start talking to a friend and then they come back to it and they're like, what is she talking about? Oh, it's still Disney. What is that? <laughs> so it's bombed in several places, but also it's killed in several places. Clubs are truly uh, just like a battle sometimes where you're just like, I don't know, just sit down, shut up and fucking listen to me and eat your chicken fingers during the opener. <laughs> yeah. Is it the same for you? I find that um, 
Yeah, this is mostly true of uh, of not. It's mostly true of like straight women who have never been to a drag show mm. who come who think that the status quo of a drag show is to be fully blacked out before it begins, yes. and they think that's like the mm-hmm. norm. Yeah. And- <laughs> And it's and it's the worst. I mean, there is yes. a sweet spot of drunkness for an audience. Yes. For yes. sure. Where they're loose, they're happy, they're still listening, and they're not like, this is about me now. Uh, but yeah, the people who interrupt me the most are straight women and men. Yeah. And I mean all what men. What demographic like, of man? Every man. Uh, every man. Trans men, so les- uh, uh, cis men, men. Men so lesbians for- are the only people who listen. Lesbians to- are very respectful. <laughs> <laughs> they are I mean, the I've best audience that. members. They're yeah. really wonderful. Um, and then a lot of straight men. I say this a lot, but I, my episode of Wendy Williams just aired again. So I got an influx of like followers and people inboxing me or DMing me, whatever. And every one of the people who DM'd me was like, I never knew who you were one time. And then I saw you and I think you're funny. And straight men love to tell me that they've never heard of me, but I'm okay. And pretty funny. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know why, why you can't just give a compliment. I, you know, I find that, um, I've started getting, it's interesting to see how drag has now, uh, what started happening just in the last like year or two is I get DMS from straight guys who Mm -hmm. are like talking about how their wife was watching. And it's like, they both need to kind of assert their masculinity, but they also like Mm -hmm. really are truly gushing fanboys. (laughs) And it's so weird to me. I just Mm -hmm. got a DM from like this big buff macho professional wrestler who just wanted to tell me that I was his favorite. And it was so (laughs) bizarre to me. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, those are actually two genres of performance that are very similar. Very similar. Yes. Wrestling (laughs) is pretty gay it's just like the masculine version of drag it's just like blowing up gender and making it ridiculous i I love like a very muscly man and like a glittery spandex uh i think it's amazing i love wrestling like i watched it in high school for a little bit and then i kind of fell out and then uh in portland they have this thing called blue collar wrestling which is so much fun it's just like a lot of amateur wrestlers and they are incredible. Like they have like a whole storyline and it's pretty easy to follow. Like I only get to see it like once or twice a year, but I'm always like, uh oh, that's still the bad guy. Oop, that's still the hero. All right. Oh, you got new spandex. Yeah, I love wrestling. I think it's fun. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I really, it's, I, that was one of my favorite DMs that I've gotten in a while. You I know, love who's my it. favorite audience demographic though is Bears. They're my, oh, those yes. are my people. Yes, they get I everything. Love, they listen. Yes. Yeah. And then they have a very nice, anytime a bear comes up to me during like a meet and greet, they say something very succinct, nice, sweet, and then they move it the fuck along. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And there's a real, I don't know what it is, but no matter how young a bear is, their taste is still that of like a 60-year-old bear. <laughs> like they love old school camp so much. It's like there's a collective consciousness to bears that like transcends age. <laughs> That's very funny. I just watched um uh Divine's documentary on Netflix. Have you seen it? I have, but years ago. I think well, is it is it is that a new one or is that no, the one no. that came out like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's from like 2015. Yeah. And that was like so much fun to watch because I was like, 
I'm like divine. And then I like kept watching. I was like, no, I'm not. No one's like divine. Divine is so incredible. And then I was like, how tragic that like she finally got what she wanted, which was like to perform as a man on television and then died the night before. I know. It's so crazy. It's like, I mean, there's, there's definitely at least she got that moment Mm -hmm. of like that, like that's how she went out being like, I'm about to do this thing. Mm -hmm. She doesn't know she didn't do it. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Maybe your ghost is like wandering around with unfinished business with like chains rattling and like, you know, um, but, uh, but yeah. And I mean, the biggest loss there is that character would have been amazing. Amazing. Oh my God. Whose, whose brother was she supposed to be? She was supposed to be Peg's brother or Al's brother. I think Al's, I think, but I don't know if they said it in the documentary, but I'm not sure. What would that show have even been? Who knows? It would have been amazing. I mean, I was like, I hope I go out with like, people expecting me to do something. <laughs> and I'm like, sorry, I can't do it. I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's yeah. Like go out with a bang. It's like better, you know, you better than fading into obscurity. And then, yeah, I think you know. so. Um, here's a question. I usually ask comedians this. I know. So I call them chuckle fuckers. Not me personally. It's like a term for people who love to fuck comedians. Um, yeah. Are there drag queen chuckle fuckers? Of Race chasers. Yeah. Race chasers. chasers. Ooh, yeah. that's Speci- great. I mean, that's specifically, a, a, obviously, a, a drag race related thing. Mm-hmm. A thing where, you know, fans just, like, want to hook up with any queen who mm-hmm. has been on TV. Um, which is, I don't know. Some girls are really into it. And I actually was super excited about it mm-hmm. when I first got, when I first went on Drag Race. Then I went, like, back into the world. Um, I suddenly was like, oh my God, I, for, I now have access to tens. Like (laughs) I, you know what I mean? Like I suddenly had sexual access to people that would have not only ignored me, but Mm -hmm. fully like sneered at me with disdain, uh, you know, several (laughs) months earlier. And, uh, I was like, okay, great. Let's take advantage of this. But, um, I'm I'm kind of jealous of the girls who that works for because mm-hmm. I kind of hated it. Like it didn't mm. work for me. I really, I don't think I ever got over like thinking about that that was what was going on or mm-hmm. something and being like, uh, they're still probably just judging me as much as they always would have. And like, you know, I don't know. It made mm-hmm. me so uncomfortable. What's that like for you? I mean, what's that? Oh, it does not happen for me. Um, really? My demographic is fat women like thin women, uh, les some lesbians, gay men, and then I have like eight straight men who <laughs> are my fans. And then they're never there's never like single straight men in the audience ever. Like yeah. I did one show, one live episode of Why Won't You Date Me in San Francisco. And I was like, are there straight men here during like the question answer period? Because there was a woman who was like, I'm single and I'm looking. I don't really know how to meet people. I was like, let's do a match now. Are there straight (laughs) men here? And there was like, woo. And I was like, "Okay, that's more than normal. Are there single straight men here? And you could have heard a pin drop (laughs) (laughs) because a straight men get dragged to my shows via like a girlfriend who are like, I think you'll like her. She's really, she's funny and she's pretty nasty. So like, I think you'll like this. And then usually, uh, usually they do. I haven't had a man be like, yeah, you were bad and I hate you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I generally have the same experience where a lot of straight people or straight women have uh, dragged their husbands or boyfriends there. And, and usually, you know, they're really responsive, but mm-hmm. every, I mean, this is the benefit 
of, I mean, I don't know if this works the same for you as like a cis woman, but um, when I, I love seeing if, if it's a manageable number, like one or two full on stank face straight men <laughs> in the audience and they're anywhere close to the stage, it is the most satisfying. I mean, the audience loves it, but even if the audience hated me mm-hmm. getting just like down on them and making them as uncomfortable as humanly possible. And I am a very sweaty drag queen. That is mm-hmm. something you should know about me is I sweat hard <laughs> under stage lights and there is nothing better than rubbing your disgusting drag sweat all <laughs> over a really pissed off straight man. Um, uh, that's yeah, so it's very funny. satisfying, very cathartic. I also am a sweaty, sweaty, sweaty queen. I once did a meet and greet where I didn't realize I had so much under boob sweat that it looked like I was wearing a tiny corset under my tits and (laughs) someone like tagged me in a picture and I was so horrified and I was like, oh, no. And I was like, well, it's a picture that lives. That was a show in Buffalo, New York, where the crowds just didn't seem to be into me. And I was touring with my friend or my friend, uh, Rojo was with me. He was opening for me and we were drinking at the bar the night before. And I said, Rojo, what if I crushed a can of beer between my titties? And then he was like, you won't do that. And I was like, I think I will. And then uh, the manager, I was like, is there like laws where like nudity has to be announced before you do it? He was like, I don't know if you do it. We won't tell anyone. We'll all have a good time. And I was like, all right. So I didn't wear a bra. So like, that's why there was so much under titty sweat because there was nothing to catch it. And then I wore this like snap dress dress uh, and I did it. I also told them, I was like, take out your phones. Now you can take pictures. And nobody believed me. So I don't think there's any documentation of it. Also, my tits are really tiny. So it really took a lot to like squeeze this beer can. So that is not something you'd rehearse. Like you've never, like that was something you tried for the first time in front of an audience. So I did this old joke and shoehorned why I would be smashing (laughs) a can of beer in my titties. You know, sometimes you got to keep it fresh. Yeah. So how did it, how did it go over? Was it It a smash success? It was, it was a smashing success. Uh, All the straight men who came were so excited they came. (laughs) (laughs) They were so excited they came. Yes, they came all over the club. And the club was like, we've never seen so much come. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that they employ somebody for that, depending on the venue. Um, For that sort of cleanup. But uh, yeah, so wait. uh, So, but my question is that if that had not gone over well, Mm -hmm. if you had just tried a naked titty smash for Mm -hmm. the very first time and it did not get a response, what, what happens then? Oh boy. Did you just know it would succeed? Did you just know it was, it was going to succeed? I knew it would succeed specifically because Rojo had to set the can of beer uh, and I had him do it. I was like, on this joke, do it. I think I'm going to do it after that one. And he was like, okay. And he had seen my act like four times, so he knew it. Um, and I knew he would be close enough to the stage that he would laugh. And sometimes I tell jokes just for the comedian there. Just for, it's like, I thought this was funny. I'm going to try it. Oh, and sure. then they'll laugh. If nobody laughs, it's like, I made one person laugh and that's fine. And that's usually the goal when I get on stage. I'm like, if one person laughs, that's great. Yeah. You know? Okay, cool. Then I guess my question is moot. I'm glad. Like, no, I know. mean, I would have had to have recover. Those... I mean, if it was earlier in my career, I would have been like, oh, no, you guys didn't like that. Uh, but now, yeah. like, I have, I can't remember what joke it is. Oh, I call myself uh, Jennifer Hudson before Weight Watchers on, like, as a tag to a bit. 
And sometimes the audience feels bad for me and they're like, mm, you're beautiful the way you are. And then when they don't laugh, I'm like, fuck you guys. That's honestly a perfect joke. And then they're like, you know what? It was. Yes, that is what you look like. <laughs> and then they'll laugh. So like now I'm like, no, no, that was funny. This is you people. Yeah. And also you just compared to yourself who was to somebody who was like super hot, yeah. like, like at any weight yeah. in there. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Right. Like hearing that audience, like put that like weird, like yep. personal filter uh-huh. on it. It's like, well, that's not what I said. Yeah. That's what your brain told you. I mean, it's kind of like Adele. Adele dropped that a uh, very, very slender picture of herself and oh, everybody has an opinion. And I'm like, if you have an opinion on someone else's body, I literally think you need psychiatric help. Like, it's so wild. I got into a full on Facebook comment fight with somebody and I do not do this. And it was <laughs> but it was literally just because like somebody posted a thing about like, why are you so worried about her weight? Like, you know, support her no matter mm-hmm. what. It was very like, how do you not agree with that? And it was like and this guy's response, of course, he was like some super chiseled like go go boy. Mm-hmm. And he was his response was like, how dare you tell me not to be happy for somebody who's like happy and healthy and made changes in their life. And it's like, and I just got in this thing where I was like, you know, equating happiness and health with Mm -hmm. this person's weight is like, that's the problem right there. Like you just, you know, and we got into it and it was so crazy. Mm -hmm. Like also there are people like blowing their noses in other people's shirts in response to coronavirus right Uh now. And uh there are like people being shot for really fucked up reasons. Uh And this is your cause. Yes. This is what you (laughs) need to talk about. But then I'm also like, you you shouldn't comment on anyone's weight because a, you don't know if she's sick. You don't know if she went through something. You don't know if, uh, if she, you, you just don't know why people do what they do. And unless she wants to share the reason we shouldn't talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. And like, there are plenty of people who are slender and Mm -hmm. not happy or healthy. Yes. That's, you know. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You can't await. You can't await. You can't equate. Await. Equate. Equate. You can't. (laughs) I've been inside too long. What are words? You can't equate (laughs) weight and health. Like, that's the most insane thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Also, why do you care? Just keep your eyes on your own paper. Totally. And people's like their their like twisted idea they put in their head where they're like think they're being helpful. Oh, like yeah. they're right. Like that's such a like weird insidious thing mm-hmm. where people think they're like helping specifically when they pull that shit about criticizing someone's weight. Uh-huh. Well, I'm just trying to encourage them to be happier and healthier. Mm-hmm. Fuck off. Yeah, fuck off. Just like someone gently encouraging me to do something has never made me do anything. Yeah. Yeah, I um I do do this thing. So I have lost like a little bit of weight because I've been pole dancing. Thank you. Um, oh, I know. I just I love it so much. And you're killing it. Thank you. And like losing a little bit of weight was truly like uh, just a uh, something that happened because I was just moving a little bit more. And sure. people will comment like in the comments. They're like, wow, look at that. And so I just delete them because I'm like, I don't want to. I like it's not like a journey I'm going on with my weight loss. It just happened. And I don't need people commenting on my body. Like I don't, and I don't need other people to see other people commenting on my body. It's nobody's business. And it's so wild to me that people, I truly think it should be illegal to comment 
on Instagram anything other than you look great and I like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, well, I um, I'm just somebody who has I cycle through weight a lot. I have like mm-hmm. on, I have like about 40 pounds that I go between mm-hmm. fairly regularly and people love to talk about it either yes. way. But I am just as irritated with when I'm on my thinner side, Mm -hmm. you look amazing. You look like that is just as I'm like, don't monitor my body. Like I don't care which side you're talking about. I don't care if it's a compliment. Mm -hmm. Like I don't like, like look at what I'm doing in the world. Look at who I am. I think it was Melissa McCarthy after she lost a bunch of weight, I might be misquoting her and I might be making this up, but I feel like she said, I've done so much in my life. Losing weight is the least interesting thing I've done. And I agree. Gaining and losing weight is the least interesting thing a person can do. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like, yeah. So you lost. Okay. So you gained. Okay. I just, Oh boy. Oh boy. We've been talking for so long. We've come to the end. (laughs) Not to end it so abruptly, but I was like, Oh boy, I got to record more of these. Um, Ben, I ask everybody, do you like Ben Dela or Ben? Well, I'm out of drag right now, so you can call me Ben. Okay. Yeah. Ben, this is so funny that I asked an hour in what you prefer. (laughs) Well, we, I, we, up until now, I've just been calling you Ms. Byer. Like I mm-hmm. just, and in I my mind. I have been calling you Ben. In my mind. How did you come up with your drag name before we, uh, uh, it's a convoluted, but, um, basically I was doing drag in Chicago for, uh, many, many years, uh, just nightclubs and whatever. And then I moved to Seattle and the first job I auditioned for was as the MC of this cabaret where I was just like mm-hmm. MCing shows five nights a week. And we, so I, I auditioned in drag and they did not have drag queens working there. It was like dancers and circus artists and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I auditioned in drag to be the MC and the owner was like, okay, you had the best audition. You're going to be our MC. But we think that I think that you being in drag is too subversive and challenging for our audience. So I would like you, like you could be in drag sometimes and you could be out of drag other times. And then you can do like gender fuck stuff. And I was like, Mm -hmm. do you understand how much more challenging that is for an audience? (laughs) Like if they just look at like a a man in a sparkly dress and a wig, they're like, okay, this is known. But I was then like, my nipples were out. I was in like stiletto boots and like my natural hair. And like, I mean, that is challenging anyway. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I actually, I had to come up with a name that was like a performance name, but could kind of make sense in and out of drag. And everyone who worked there, their name was uh, a variation on their own name. Mm-hmm. So like still one of my best friends is Faggity Randy, my friend Randy who worked there and he's <laughs> amazing. So, uh, so yeah, Ben Creme was like the name that I picked. And then I got like, and then it was a thing where everybody like loved the drag. So I got back to doing drag. Mm -hmm. And by then it was like, that's what I was getting bookings under and everything else. And I was like, okay, well that's my name. And then I have like these convoluted explanations that I give the rest of the time where I'm like, this is why I chose it. And it means this to me, but Mm -hmm. you're getting the real answer, which is just like, (laughs) I made it up for this reason. and I was stuck with it. That's my favorite when someone's name is like, I don't know, out of necessity, I needed a name. And that was my name. (laughs) (laughs) But it works. People seem to like it. Yeah, it's a good name. I think that, uh, <laughs> I don't know, when I see the name and then I see you, I'm like, yes, of course, that's a Bendel Creme. Yes, yeah. that works for me. Okay. And I'll tell you, it's a good Google. It's a good Google. <laughs> like, when you're choosing a name, man, God help anybody who just changes their name to, like, sock. Or, what, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, 
like now you can like Google milk queen fairly easy, Mm -hmm. but like, you know, like names like that, it's like, you got to think about that Google search. That is smart. Although I can't wait to see whatever queen is named sock. (laughs) (laughs) And please welcome to the stage. Sock. Sock Sock is very funny. (laughs) If my time here with you has, does anything, changes anything in the world. I hope that's what it is. I hope it inspires. Sock. I mean, I really hope some little queen is listening to this and goes, I'm a sock. I'm sock. I'm a sock. (laughs) And a lot of sock couture happens. A sock dress. I'm here for sock. (laughs) Oh my God. Listen, if sponge and brown cow can make it, then sock is like (laughs) TV ready. Brown cow. Stunning. Monique Hart makes me laugh so hard. (laughs) She's amazing. Uh, So does Monet Exchange. I love them both. Okay. I... So this is the end. Do you have anything? I know we're not touring right now, but are you, do you have any like digital drag shows that you want to promote? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm doing a couple more digital drag shows at this digital drag fest on stage. It, um, there's only a few more left and they've been kind of e- extending the run, but who knows how long that will go on. So you can look for that on stage it.com, uh, slash digital drag fest, but more importantly, uh, Jinx Monsoon, Peaches Christ, uh, and our friend Major Scales and I are working on our own kind of podcast project right now, which mm-hmm. is, it's like an old-timey radio play. Ooh. So it's like a fully scripted, it's called WQUR, Queer Quarantine Radio. Mm-hmm. And we have, um, it's like a it's like a slice of a radio network we've created. So there's like a detective noir and a sitcom and a Ooh. murder mystery with like fake commercials we've written in between for like enemas and stuff. And it's really fun. <laughs> I it's love really it. Fun. And where can people find that? Uh, it's WQUR and it's it's on Spotify. Oh, and, okay. Uh, so just look you, for that. All the things. All the things. Oh, wait. I almost forgot. I ask all of my guests this. I've only missed like three people, but would you date me? Oh, my God. Of course. Are you <gasps> kidding? What kind of insane person would I be to say no? <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised. So many people have said no. <laughs> well, I they honestly, I mean, I can't even understand who they are or why they exist. <laughs> Ben, thank you so much for doing this. I truly appreciate it. It was a delight to talk to you. Yeah, same. I can't wait till we're um, released from our prisons. And yes. then, yeah, it would be and now that I'm in L.A. And tiki drink. Oh, my God. I'll make you so many tiki drinks. I love Now that alcohol. we're dating. <laughs> now that we're dating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you like this episode of Oh, Why Won't You Date Me? You can subscribe. You can like it on iTunes. You can rate it five stars. And if you send me something nasty to hit on me, I will read it. So this nice person slid into my DMs and said, Dear Nicole, I'm bisexual. I want to fuck you with my meat stick while getting it from a muscular daddy as well. Right before he comes, we both pull out, making it rain and fall romantically asleep together in a literal cuddle puddle. Uh, The next night, we double team you. (laughs) And then they said, yes, I hope the above is not too gross. I love your stand up and I think you're really hot on the pole. That was a good one. Right? Sometimes they're really good. I was like, I could get into that. I like that it's like an ongoing narrative. It's not just like a one and done. There's like a... No. uh We've got things planned for the next day. I love it. It's filthy and sweet. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I like. All right, Ben. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye.
This has been a Team Coco production. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.